morning, Harvest City. So great to see you. I think what's very funny about this morning is there are a lot of people sitting under these fans. And there's nobody sitting here, really, because the fans aren't working. It's so good to be with you. We as an eldership team have just come back from two nights of planning and dreaming about 2020. I think what I love about that is we intentionally go away to spend time with God. And honestly, it's such a good time. We just meet with him, we seek God for what he's asking of us next year as a community. And I think yesterday, just being reminded of this incredible church, of these incredible people who have surrendered their lives to him, who are walking with Jesus, who are really just asking that God would come and change them and who they are by his gospel. And this is a beautiful church to be a part of. I was reminded of that yesterday. We absolutely love the people in this church. Um, But yesterday was a great day. I think we got a lot done. I think God spoke to us. And I'm excited for what he's going to be doing with us going into 2020 next year. So it's a privilege to be amongst you this morning. Please let me know if I need to ditch the mic. Um, But we as a church have been going through in the last few months a couple of different series. We've been looking at a series called Called, and this morning we're going to be continuing our series called Gifted. We're kind of halfway through that series. And the reason we've been looking at these two things is we as a people want to understand personally, corporately, how we as a church as Harbor City are called into God's greater mission. How God has got a calling on each and every single one of our lives, that actually our lives have got purpose so much more than just the mundane day-to-day, eight-to-five kind of work environments, attend church on a Sunday. But actually, what has God called each and every single one of us to? And jumping off of that, moving into our gifting series, what has God gifted each and every single one of us with in order for us to fulfill that calling in which he's given us? Because we actually want to be a part of a greater global gospel story where God is doing something where he wants to change the earth, where actually his kingdom would come and would change the earth in which we live. So that's what we've been going through. And this morning, I'm going to be continuing through that. If you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 1 all the way through to 11. Must I keep this? Okay. So I'm going to be reading through from verses 1 to 11. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God, who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the Spirit of utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to that Spirit. To another faith of the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between the Spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretations of tongues. All of these empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And maybe you're kind of sitting there this morning as we read through a text like this, I think there's kind of a sense or or a feeling that might come through, and maybe it's a sense of fear. I think a lot of us in the room have had different church experiences where maybe the spiritual gifts were something that were completely overemphasized or abused, and maybe we were in a situation where we were made to feel shame because we didn't have a specific gift of the Holy Spirit. So because of that, we're afraid of going through a text like this. We're afraid of teaching this as a community. Or maybe it's a different fear. It's a fear of the unknown. We're talking about spiritual things. What does that mean? I don't understand that. 
Or maybe it's a fear of actually how do I work out my spiritual gift? What happens if God doesn't come through? What happens actually if this is not God speaking and it's me speaking? When we get given a picture or a thought or a prophetic word for somebody, there's a sense of fear that could well up inside of us when we read through something like this because it's a semi-controversial topic. I think the other space is we've got people on the other end of the spectrum who are going, yes, this is exciting. This is God at work. This is the Holy Spirit. This is supernatural. I want to live a life where I understand what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of me. I can't wait to get into this passage this morning. And all that I ask is actually that we just allow God to speak to us this morning. That actually we allow Him to unpack the scripture and just speak to us and calm our fears as we unwrap the gifts of the Holy Spirit this morning. None of you saw what I did there, but that's cool. So, moving on to verse 1 to 3, I think what I love is we can see Paul building his foundation for how he's going to speak and how he's going to equip and correct the church. And as he writes this letter to the church in Corinth, he begins to just lay a foundation for what he's going to speak to them about the Holy Spirit and his spiritual gifts. So the first thing he says for about the spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. And what we see happening is that the, the church in Corinth actually knew what the Holy Spirit was. They were seeing his gifts on display. They were seeing in their worship spaces that people were doing different things. People were prophesying. People were being slain in the Spirit. They saw what the Holy Spirit was doing, but they were making a couple of mistakes along the way. And Paul begins to apostolically equip and correct their mistakes because what he saw happening was that they were being led to frantic and lively worship we begin to see that actually the church in Corinth was elevating one gift higher than the other. We begin to see that actually people in Corinth were saying, well, everybody should be having this gift. All of you have to have this. And if you don't have that, then actually you're not the same as us. Maybe you shouldn't be a part of this church. There began to be rivalry and a little bit of division within the church. So Paul is correcting and informing and trying to correct their mistakes as he writes this letter to them. And he carries on to teach into their pagan background because he says, actually, you used to worship mute idols. However you were led there, that's what you used to worship. So what he's saying is actually the idols that you worship didn't have a voice. They were completely not alive. But however, you were led to worship them. And he's speaking to them by saying, maybe actually some of you were led to worship those idols by different spirits or evil spirits. And the church was using this concept of, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, being led by the Spirit. It's something where people feel led by the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to them. He's leading them to do something. And what happened is when they used to worship in their pagan environments, in their pagan church, the more loud, the more frantic, the more wild worship was, the more that they felt like they were worshiping their pagan God. And there were some of the, the leaders and the, and the worship leaders in that space were saying, we feel led by the Spirit to do this. And they were being led towards wild and frantic worship. And they thought that that's what the Holy Spirit was. And so he goes on to say, actually, in your pagan spaces, when you were worshiping different gods, nobody who was full of the Spirit would be able to say that Jesus is accursed, saying, Jesus is despised, I don't like Jesus. Because if they actually understood Jesus and they were full of the Holy Spirit, they could never say that. Because they truly love Jesus. And he's saying in the same space, actually, um, no one can say Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying in verse 3, because if we truly know God, we've encountered through faith in the Holy Spirit, we understand who Jesus is, that he's redeemed our lives, that we can be completely forgiven from whatever we've done and our sin is forgiven in him. So he's teaching into this context in the pagans and saying, actually, your worship is not correct. You're not understanding the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to correct you and inform you actually more properly what the ways of the Spirit are. So that's the context into which Paul is preaching this and writing the letter to the Corinthians. Maybe if I can, I'd love to illustrate a story with a story. Uh, family friends of ours who we grew up in their home, our parents were in their life group, 
and we kind of grew up together. And what was amazing is this, this family was, they really felt God speak to them about going into different countries in sub-Saharan Africa. They went on mission trips with a massive camping trailer. They would go into different communities and different spaces and countries. They would teach and equip church leaders. They would teach and equip church members, and they would love people. That's what they felt God called them to. And on one specific trip, they went into a space which was either in Malawi or Kenya, I can't remember the specifics, and they came back with a story which just blew my mind. They said they were sitting down in this church, and they got asked to sit right up in the front, they got chairs right up in the front on the stage, don't know why, maybe just because they were visitors and guests and guest speakers, and all of the church was sitting in front of them, facing them. And on the stage next to them was their lead pastor, and worship is about to start, people are kind of standing up, and then the pastor starts to... Burp. Please excuse me for burping. But what happened is this lead pastor begins to burp loudly and more sporadically. Long burps, short burps, weird burps. And he burps for almost two minutes. And they are sitting on the front of the stage in front of everybody trying not to laugh at what is going on. Because they are so perplexed as to the environment that they've stepped into. And as his two-minute burping scenario starts to die down, they're like looking at each other, jabbing each other in the ribs, trying not to laugh. The whole congregation starts to burp. They said it was like a symphony of frogs, just burping everywhere. It's like a hundred people all burping together as the people on the band are trying to worship. And they're just sitting there going like, this was hilarious, but now what is going on? And somehow, miraculously, they get through the service, they get through the burping, they preach, they teach, they end the service, they finish coffee, they go and have a meal with the lead pastor, and they just say to him, like, what is going on with the burping? We just don't understand it. And he says, well, years ago, we had a missionary who came into our space, and he taught us about Jesus, he taught us about the Holy Spirit, he prayed, and the Holy Spirit came down, and one or two of our people in our congregation fell on the floor, and they were burping uncontrollably. And I can't explain it. I can't explain what the Holy Spirit did in that moment. But what they took and understood that to be was that actually if you want the Holy Spirit to come down, if you want the power of God to come into your space and into your worship, then burping needs to usher that in. Or only burping is a sign of actually the Holy Spirit coming and filling you. And so they very generously and and graciously kind of corrected the understanding of Scripture. And they kind of really taught into that scenario just as Paul is teaching into the Corinth church here. I don't think that they were experiencing burping in their space, and you can imagine the hilarity of that moment, but actually that is what we need to understand, that actually there's misconceptions when the power of the Holy Spirit comes. And that is what Paul is trying to teach in the church of Corinth, as he equips them, as he loves them, and as he disciples them through this letter. So we're going to move on to verse 4 to 6. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirits. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And the varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everybody. So remember in terms of context, Paul is teaching into a a church of people who has come from worshipping pagan gods to worshipping Jesus. In a pagan world, if you are battling to get pregnant, you would go and worship the God of fertility. If you are battling to grow crops and you want a good yield from your harvest, you would go and worship the God who is responsible for farming. And he is reiterating here by saying, actually, this is the same Spirit. This is the same Lord when he's saying it's actually Jesus. He's saying, and this is the same God. This is the Holy Trinity. It is not different gods who are giving you these different gifts and service and ministries and workings, but actually it is all coming from the same God. And we believe that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father are one. 
And that's how he's writing to the Corinthians, saying, actually, this is one God who loves you and is giving a variety of different gifts to you because the work of God and the Trinity is at work in the church. We've got to be careful not to misunderstand and take these three different things and say, well, only the Holy Spirit gives us gifts or only Jesus gives us works of service and only God gives us workings or moments of power. We've got to identify that these are three completely different activities or groupings of gifts given to us by the same and one God. We've got to understand that actually in God there is unity. But what I love in this passage is you can kind of see two words coming out. There's variety, but there's also unity in the Trinity and and who God is. We need to understand that God is a God who loves variety. He has designed so many different things to be so completely different. If you think about snowflakes, no one is alike to another. We can't see that detail, but God creates them that way. No grain of sand is alike. No fingerprint is alike. No DNA strand is alike because God loves variety and all of creation that he's made. Our God is a God of variety, and we see that even existing in the church. If you look around the room, there are people who live in different areas, who are different ages to you, who are different race to you, who have a different occupation to you. The church is kind of a representation of the diversity and variety that we see even represented in this scripture. But more than that, the church is brought together in unity because we love Jesus and because of what he has done for each and every single one of us. We are brothers and sisters together in his kingdom, co-heirs with Christ because he's now risen and he's in heaven. Actually, we are brought together in unity in God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus Christ. We've got to be careful that actually we don't imitate or compare ourselves to each other's contribution because God has given us different gifts. And there is variety in the church, and God has given different abilities and different things to different people. And we've got to be careful as people to understand the variety that exists in the room and not compare ourselves to that. But we've also got to not let go of the unity because actually we are brothers and sisters united in Jesus. So at the end of of verse 6 and 7, it says, But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And I want to be incredibly clear here. We can see in these two passages of scriptures that God gives his gifts to everybody. To each is given. No one is left out. No one is disqualified. Actually, if you have a relationship with Jesus through faith in the Holy Spirit, you are given a gift. In this church, in the global church, every single person who believes in Jesus through faith in the Holy Spirit is given a gift. And what we see is that actually these gifts are manifested. And what does that mean? It means that there's visible evidence of the Holy Spirit in our midst and a sign that he is here, he is at work, and that he is speaking. What I love is that actually when we see, when it says the manifestation of gifts, that the Holy Spirit is here, that he is talking to us, we compare that to the pagan idols who even Paul says are mute idols. They are not alive, they cannot speak. But we serve a God who does speak and who is alive. And the purpose of these gifts is for the common good. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts, not for our individual consumption, not that we might hoard the gifts to ourselves, but actually so that we can go and give them for the common good of the church. They are not expressly for the sake of the individual, but rather for the benefit of the greater church and for the local community, working together for the advancement of God's kingdom. Every single one of us has a part to play. Every single one of us has been given a gift of the Holy Spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And only now when we get down to verse 8, do we actually see that Paul begins to write about the different gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
This is not a comprehensive list of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is a partial list. We need to read through Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Peter chapter 4, and probably even all the gifts listed in those different passages of Scripture are not everything that the Holy Spirit gifts entail. So what we're looking at now is a comp- not a complete comprehensive list of the, of the gifts of the Spirit, but we're going to read through in verse 8 to 10. It says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing by the same Spirit, by one Spirit, to another gift of working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between Spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And while I was preparing for today, I was listening to a preach where a guy kind of grouped these nine gifts into different groupings of three. And he says, actually, we have revelation gifts, we have power gifts, and we have gifts of speech. And I would like to make sure that none of us are misinformed or misunderstood in terms of reading through this passage and understanding what Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. So I'd like to define each of the gifts for us listed here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So revelation gifts, these are gifts that God gives his people to help them understand what he is thinking. So gifts that God gives us as his people, to help us understand what he is thinking. We have the utterance of wisdom, as we read here in the ESV, or words of wisdom. These are supernatural words of revelation that enable us to know what to say. So this wisdom is from God. It is way more and supernatural than the the secular wisdom that we might know. It is more than wisdom that comes through experience in life or experience on what we've seen and what we've done, what we know to be true or, or have gone through. These words of wisdom are are evidence of God working in a world and revealing something to us that we could never have known of our own accord. I think if we look at biblical uh, um, examples, we can look back as we understood in the Calling series, the story of Joseph. Joseph was a man who was in prison. There were these dreams that came through from Pharaoh, and Joseph was given words of wisdom to be able to decipher and understand and um, know what those dreams meant. So there was kind of like this download from God in that moment where actually he was given words of wisdom to interpret those dreams to be able to say, actually what that means is that we as, as a country are going to be going through seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And God enables him to be able to speak this truth, to be able to save all of their grain, uh, pull everything together to save a country as they then go through seven years of famine. He saved millions of people because of what God spoke to him and enabled him to speak and gave him a word of wisdom in that moment. And maybe in the New Testament, we can see actually Jesus was given a word of wisdom. When he met with a Samaritan woman uh, um, at the well, he meets with this lady. He says, please, can you give me a drink? They're having a conversation, and he says to her, go and call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the man that you are with now is not your husband. And he's been given this word of wisdom to be able to have a conversation with them, with her, Uh, which leads to her giving her life to Jesus and following him, her going back to her town and telling everybody about him, and they begin to actually give their lives to Jesus, and they follow him as well. This is what a word of wisdom would look like. We also see Solomon in the Bible, who would have been encountered by the space of the two ladies who were fighting over a baby. One lady, unfortunately, in the middle of the night, rolled over a baby and it died, so she swapped it with her friend's baby. And they were fighting over whose baby this is. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. So they come to the king, who is in a moment empowered by God to be incredibly wise, and he says, let's cut the baby in two and give each lady half. 
as he proclaims this, one of the women says, no, don't do that. You can give it to her, it's fine. Revealing that she was the one who actually was the mother of that baby because of the deep love that she had for it. This is a moment that completely surpassed human wisdom. It was given to her, him by God. Words of knowledge are different to words of wisdom. Knowledge is very specific information about something, and wisdom is knowing what to do with that information. Supernatural knowledge is more than we could ever imagine about ourselves or know about anybody because we've never encountered them, we've never met them, we might not know what's going on in their situation. We've got gifts of discernment. This is the ability to distinguish between spirits on what is evil or what is pure. I don't know if you've ever been in a moment where you actually just something inside of you feels completely uneasy about something. And the gift of discernment in that moment is the Holy Spirit speaking to us, actually saying, maybe what looks like what is going on at the moment is actually not what's going on. There's different motives at play. This person's saying this, but actually they're meaning this. And God is using in the Holy Spirit to speak to us in those moments, to give us the gift of discernment, to actually be able to say, I think this is actually what's going on. So that is revelation gifts. The gifts that God gives his people to help us understand what he is thinking. We're moving on to power gifts. And these are gifts that God gives us to replicate the activities of Jesus. How cool is that? To be able to replicate the activities of Jesus. I think the problem with that is we often overemphasize or we give more importance to power gifts. Because we see them as more important. Because we want to be acting like Jesus. We want to be able to do his activities. We've got to be careful that we don't elevate these gifts. First is the gift of faith. Now you might say, well, I've got faith because I've got faith in Jesus. And the faith that I'm talking about now is a supernatural faith. It is not a saving faith. It is not a faith of salvation. Because if we have a relationship with Jesus, we have faith in the Holy Spirit about what Jesus did for us. And I'm not talking about saving faith. I'm talking about an uncanny supernatural ability to trust God and to inspire others to trust God despite their circumstances for a particular need, and, and maybe it's a certain situation. But these people, um, if you're in a situation, you feel like, cheapest, everything is lost, I don't understand, this is a hopeless circumstance, these people are the eternal optimists who are going, but come on, God can provide. Let's pray to God, let's ask Him to do something. Surely God will make a way. And you're sitting there going, this is absolutely impossible. Shut up, who are you? You're actually really annoying me at the moment. These people seem like ridiculous optimists in a situation, but actually they've been given the gift of faith. I read a story this week where there was a group of farmers in a town. They're experiencing a drought. They're completely stressed out of their minds about what they're going to do because their harvest isn't going to come to fruition. They're going to lose their livelihood. And they come together at a town hall. They begin to pray and ask God for rain because they're saying, actually, we're in a situation where we are hopeless. There's nothing more we can do. Only God can intervene. And all these farmers come from their farms far and wide. They bring their families. They meet at the town hall. And one little boy arrives with an umbrella. Because he had the gift of faith. That same family that I told you about who experienced the, the burping in the church, they went on another trip with a friend of mine. And there was this moment where one of the cars gives out as they're traveling. They're about 250 kilometers away from the nearest city. And something broke down so dramatically that the car wouldn't move. I don't know if it's a cam bolt breaking. I don't know if it's a, a crack in the head. Bevan will be able to tell you more than that. He's a, he's a mechanic. I'm not. Um, but there's this moment where they're just going, there's nothing we can do. It's unsafe for us to camp here overnight on the side of the road. How are we going to get to the next city to get our car fixed? We can't drive there. It's going to take too long to fetch another part with the other vehicle. We've got lots of people around. So the leader of that team 
says, guys, let's pray that actually God would come and do something with this engine. Let's lay our hands on this engine. And a friend of mine who was on the trip was just going, are you crazy? What is God going to come down and weld the engine for us? Is he going to come and put a fixed piston like into space? Is he going to undo the engine quickly and kind of fix it all up so we can carry on our way? This is ridiculous. He's in that situation going, you're the eternal optimist. This is the reality of the situation. But that team leader had the gift of faith to be able to say, come, let's lay hands on this engine. Let's pray for it that actually God could do something to get us to that city so that we can actually be in a safe space. Our car can be fixed and we can continue on our way. They prayed for it. They start the engine and they're able to go on because God does something. Something we can't explain. But the gift of faith is so beautifully displayed in that leader's moment to say, actually, let's pray for it and lay hands on an engine of a car. Moving on to gifts of healing. These are various forms of supernatural cures or restoration from illness, disease, and impairment. So there are many different gifts of healing. And maybe you're a little bit skeptical about that. Maybe you're saying, well, actually, does God heal? Is it not just modern man, medicine, science at play? And I actually believe that God has given us the gifts to be able to create those things that medicine can come and do work. I think that is part of healing. But there is also supernatural healing where people are used um, by God and by the Holy Spirit for raw displays of his power to come down and actually pray for people that legs might grow, that the blind can see, that actually sicknesses will be completely taken away from them. I'm thinking about a couple of weeks ago, Mike Reed, sitting over here, shared a story with us about how his shoulder was just full of pain. It wasn't muscle pain. He says, you know, it's the difference. It came back often. It was like this continuous pain that was just begging him. And he put his hand on his shoulder and he just said, God, can you actually come and heal me? And God healed him of that pain that day and that morning. I believe in a God who is able to heal and he gives people the gifts of healing to be able to have faith to go and lay hands on somebody and actually see that person healed supernaturally. So that is the gifts of healing. We have gifts of miracles, which are the supernatural intervention of God that transcends the laws of nature in a situation through or with humanity. I think often we can kind of mix up gifts of miracles and gifts of healing. Gifts of healing are anything to do with the human body. Gifts of miracles are everything that exists outside of that, or miracles that exist outside of the human body. So as an example, we see Jesus walking on water to his disciples in the middle of a lake or a sea, that is a miracle. We see Jesus feeding 5,000 men and more women and children with two fish and five loaves. He multiplies food. That is a miracle. And I think the power gifts are a gift that God gives us to be able to see God's raw display in our world that we live in, to actually show us that there's something supernatural going on, that actually maybe even in the city of Durban, we would see the, the power of God come through gifts of healing, gifts of miracles that would cause people to be curious, that would cause crowds to gather to be able to see that actually Holy Spirit gifts are not just given for the individual to enjoy, but actually that so we can point people to God and we can show them that Jesus is alive, that he is supernatural, that he is sovereign. You can imagine these moments where actually people gather and we just actually praise and glorify the name of Jesus. That is why we are given these gifts of healing and gifts of miracles, to point people to Jesus. We then have the gifts of speech. These are gifts that enable us to understand the voice of Christ and to be able to communicate with him. So we have the gift of tongues. This is a supernatural ability to speak in another language or in a heavenly language. So this often sounds like shemdela samdora, sandara, shemdela samdoro. It sounds like gibberish to some of us. 
and the gift of tongues in terms of the heavenly language or the voice of angels, as Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, enables us to communicate with God in our personal prayer. It edifies our souls. In a moment where maybe we don't have the words to speak, actually God comes with the gift of tongues and we communicate with God in a language that we don't completely comprehend. That is what the gift of tongues is from a personal, biblical, angelic language basis. We also see in Acts chapter 2, at the day of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit comes on people with tongues of fire, and other people around who have come from different cities hear them talking in their own language. So actually the gift of tongues can give us a completely different language that we've never heard or understood as we are able to speak it. As an example of that, I don't know if you've ever read the book Run Baby Run by a guy called Nicky Cruz. He's a Spanish um, gangster evangelist who, at the age of 15, was sent from Puerto Rico to the city of New York from his family. They didn't want anything to do with him anymore. He joins a gang called the Mau Maus. He very quickly becomes their warlord, and he's a man who's incredibly violent, killing people, trying to strategize how they can take over spaces, kill other gangs. He then becomes their chief. And there was a missionary in New York who went into this space to actually felt God say, I'm going to preach to these Spanish gangsters. And he said, Jesus loves you. And he said, get away from me. I never want to see you again. He said, if I see you again, I'm going to cut you up into a million pieces. The missionary says to him, if you cut me up into a million pieces, every single piece of me will cry out to you that Jesus loves you. So Nicky Cruz, who is this warlord, gangster, evil, violent man, goes to a meeting where this missionary is preaching the gospel, gets completely changed by God. He leads his gang members to go to a police station with bricks, knives, guns, all the weapons they could muster. The police themselves said, if we had seen this, we would have started shooting at them because we would have feared for our lives. But these guys walk into the police station, they put everything in on the front desk, and they just go, our lives are changed. We don't want anything to do with killing anybody. We don't want anything to do with violence because we've met Jesus. So this guy called Nicky Cruz, who's this evil gangster now, meets Jesus, his life has changed and transformed, can only speak Spanish, becomes an evangelist who speaks at meetings, leads people to know who Jesus is through the use of an English interpreter. So he gathers people and he talks to people and he tells them about Jesus and he tells them about how Jesus has changed his life. And there's a moment where he's about to talk to a thousand or so people and his interpreter phones him and he can't even hear him on, over the phone because he's sick. And Nikki's going, this is 20 minutes before I'm meant to get up and speak in front of a thousand people. People have gathered to hear me. What am I going to do? So he prays to God and he says, Holy Spirit, please can you come and actually give me the gift of tongues that I might be able to speak English to these people. And as he walks up the stairs and stands at the lectern, he begins to preach in complete and pure, eloquent English, a language which he has never spoken before in his life. He finishes his preach, he walks down the stairs, and he cannot speak another word of English. It's an incredible story to see that actually God gives him the gift of tongues. We also have the gift of interpretation where what that means is maybe there might be somebody who comes and shares something on the microphone. They sound like they are, they are talking the heavenly language, the gift of tongues. And what happens with the interpretation is actually God wants to bring clarity into a situation. And somebody who has the gift of interpretation of tongues then comes forward and says, actually, this was what that person was saying to provide clarity because otherwise it would just seem like foolishness and, and gibberish to everybody else in the room. And I've seen that gift at play at Red Point Church where we come from where actually somebody would come up and they would pray over the microphone and something that none of us understood and, and understand. And somebody else stands up and said, this is what God is saying. It's beautiful to see in action because God gives the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And then we come to the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is spiritually inspired but rational ability to discern and declare God's working 
in the community or God's will for the church or individuals. So it's a rational ability. It's, it's proper words. It's not just like the gift of tongues. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we see Paul writes against the Corinthians and he says, desire these gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Because the, the gift of prophecy is the ability to be able to um, confirm something with somebody, the ability to be able to encourage something. It's a word or a passage of scripture or a picture that enables us to be able to communicate with somebody what we feel God is saying for them. The gift of prophecy is always in line with scripture and is always meant to encourage people. If you get given a prophetic word, I suggest that you test it against scripture and even chat to your leaders and say, what does this mean? Do you think this is true and relevant for my life? I would weigh it up because sometimes we do get it wrong. And we trust and hope and pray that actually everybody's intention when we are prophetic with somebody is that our intentions are good. We're not wanting to lead them astray. We are wanting to encourage them. But I would trust and ask you to test and weigh up every single prophetic word that you receive. Just to give you, I think the other thing with prophecy is maybe sometimes we're scared about it. We we feel something from God, but we've got this kind of inner pull between us where we don't understand, is it us speaking, is it God speaking? And we're afraid to stand out and speak about those things. And we as a life group one time, we're talking about prophetic words, we're talking about prophecy, and we got in uh, friends of ours, extended family of ours who are very gifted and prophetic And we got them in to come and teach us about the prophetic so we could learn, so we could be equipped, so we could actually maybe practice what prophecy looked like. So they came in, they began to teach, they began to show us. They printed off a whole bunch of different pictures onto these photographs that were random pictures and places and objects of people, none of which we we understood or remembered or have ever seen before. And they began to teach us and show, actually, this is how the gift of prophecy would work. So they encouraged us to hand out all of these different pictures. And literally one of them was a picture of a pot plant. Another is a picture of a couple underneath a tent, underneath the stars. Random pictures. And they said, we want you actually to pray about this picture and give somebody a prophetic word in the room. So being the leader in the room, hosting the group of people, I'm like going, what happens if everybody doesn't get a word? What happens now if actually God doesn't speak and somebody's sitting there not having anything for them? What was amazing is to actually see that every single person was encouraged as God spoke to every single person in the room. And he used random pictures to be able to do so. I think more than that, it was a safe space, it was a great environment to be able to say, guys, we might get these things wrong, but actually let's go and practice the gift of prophecy. Let's ask God to give us a word that we might actually give it to somebody else. And in steps of faith, people actually stood out and they overcame their fear saying, is it me, is it God? And they gave people the prophetic words they felt based on the picture that they had in their hands. I will never forget that night because that night I was incredibly encouraged by a guy called Justin Perks. He was a a member of our church many years ago. They moved to Dubai and he had a picture of a gutter and he said, Brenz, you're a gutter. And I'm like, great, I'm a gutter. Gutters are dirty, they're horrible things. None of them really look that great if we're honest. So I'm like, wow, I'm a gutter. This is what I'm thinking. And he says, actually when rains come and when there's torrential downpour, I'll never forget these words. He said, gutters bring order to chaos. He said, you bring order to chaos. Because actually as the rains come and it, it's on a roof, it's on a space, it's on a road, actually gutters channel all of that rain into a space that's a drain that can go out into the sea. And the chaotic order of rain that might cause a flood actually are channeled into something that is built, that is man-made, that is not chaotic anymore. It's not going to cause destruction. So he said to me, you're a gutter, you bring order to chaos. And his prophetic word to me has encouraged me multiple times in my work environment, in a family space where I feel like everything around me is chaotic. I felt God say, I've given you gifts and abilities to bring order to chaos. Have a look at it. Stand back. Breathe. Go slowly. 
actually analyze this, look at that, this is the solution. And in a moment in faith, when he stood out and said, this is my prophetic word for you, it has encouraged me multiple times through my life in the last three and a half years. So that is the gift of prophecy. I think so often we read through this passage of Scripture and we can look at these gifts and go, what gift have I got? What gift have my friend got? Where have I seen these gifts at play? Have I seen the Holy Spirit kind of do these gifts? And we look at this passage of Scripture and we actually don't understand that Paul is speaking to us about the importance of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, please can you put up slide 11 for me? We completely glance over the amount of times that Paul emphasizes that all of these gifts are from the Spirit, that the source of these gifts is the Holy Spirit. And it ends off in verse 11, and it says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And the Holy Spirit's power is the kind of power that the human flesh could never create, that education could never conceive, and that all the strategy in the world honestly could never produce. Because we can't just conjure up a gift in a moment where we feel like we need it. Because the Holy Spirit apportions to each one individually as he wills. He is the source of our power. He is the source of our spiritual gifts. And church, we desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need him to empower us in using our gifts. We need him to lead us, to fill us, to empower us as we journey with him. And the passage that Paul is writing to the the church in Corinth that he's looking at here is into a normal church Sunday worship gathering. And what he's saying is actually this is the correct application of the spiritual gifts. This is the correct use of the gifts. And I would encourage you, church, to use them. And in the same way, I would encourage each and every single one of us to understand that actually we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Then we can eagerly desire these gifts for ourselves to be able to be used by the Holy Spirit for the common good. That actually we would be able to encourage one another and build one another up and point each other to Jesus through the gifts of the Holy Spirit on our Sunday meetings, in our midweek meetings, in our life groups, where we actually have a space uh, where we could practice these gifts, where we could step out in faith and not be afraid because actually the people around us love us and we're in a community where we're expecting that God would come and he would move, that actually people would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to step out and speak and say something and share a picture that they're feeling. I'd encourage us to push into God, to step out in faith and actually ask God and the Holy Spirit to come and empower us as we use these gifts and practice them. But I think more than just our Sunday meetings and our life groups, we need to look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels. We look at the early church in Acts, and we see that actually the miraculous gifts and the spiritual gifts are not limited to our worship gatherings and our midweek meetings. We see actually when we study the Gospels that Jesus regularly moves within the seven spiritual gifts in his early ministry, daily, in his everyday life. That we as a people should develop our confidence in the miraculous and spiritual gifts that God has given us on a Sunday and a midweek meeting to be able to go out into our offices, into our schools, into our shopping centers and ask God to come and empower us and fill us to be able to step out in faith and actually say something to somebody that could change their lives, that could point them to Jesus, that they could be healed, that actually the Holy Spirit would come over us and maybe point people to Jesus where their lives would be completely changed forever. That actually we would step out of the four walls on a Sunday and actually be able to see God engage with people who don't know him. We don't want this text like 1 Corinthians just to be able to um, kind of give us more information as we understand more about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But actually we want this text to be able to stir our hearts for something more than the lives that we're living. As we look at the series of calling, what has God called each of us to in his great global gospel story? And how we are given gifts to be a part of that, to be used by him in that calling and fulfill that calling. That actually we'll be a pe- 
people who would ask the Holy Spirit to come and empower us and fill us and lead us to be able to build one another up, to engage with people, to have a conversation, to be able to point people to Jesus and even glorify Him in everything that we do. We don't just want to be a people who show up to a space and who move through empty religious practices, but we would rather have a sense of purpose and understand what God has called us to and how He's given us a gift to be able to fulfill that calling. The church is not meant to be a random group of individuals who kind of just hide themselves away because we're happy with me, Jesus, and my gifts. Actually, we are called to be a holy nation, a people who are a body working together to encourage one another, to build one another up, to see the manifestation of the spiritual gifts in our spaces for the common good because we want the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. The church needs the power of the Holy Spirit for all of life, to love one another, to see the spirit of of the, these gifts manifest and to witness to the people outside of these four walls who do not know Jesus. Please, won't you come and stand with me? I'd love to ask Lorraine and Rita and Kimmy to come up and, and share something. In our prayer meeting this morning, we kind of just waited on God. We waited on the Holy Spirit and we said, God, won't you come and speak to us? And these three ladies felt something and I'd love them to share it. I've been reading... I've been reading through the book of um, Samuel and came across the scripture where Je- um, Samuel went to Jesse to see all his sons because God had chosen one of the sons to be anointed. So they brought all the sons. No, not that one, not that one, not that one. There must be another one. So they said, there's David, but he's herding the sheep. He's like the least important of them. And he said, I want to see that one. And God anointed him. And David was willing to be used by God. In the same way as David being the least, we often see ourselves as not being good enough. Um, But God, as he has chosen David, has given each of us a different gift. And we need to be willing to use our gift and not be afraid. I actually got a phrase that God dropped to my heart and he said, do not be afraid. And I think it was confirmation for your message. Um, he said, do not be afraid to use your gifts and, and your talents and, and the things that he has given you, even though it sometimes feels extremely daunting when God gives you a message or a word for someone um, that you have to go to them and now speak to them about something. Do not be afraid. He says it about 365 times in the Bible. I think it's one for every day of the year, actually. So do not be afraid to use the gifts that he has given you. And this morning, I just felt God give me this picture of a Jenga block tower. Um, and how I believe Jenga works is um, you pull out a block and then you're supposed to put it on top. And like sometimes when you do that, the whole thing kind of like implodes and collapses. And I just really felt like for some of us, we know the gift God has given us. Like we pulled out the block. We know what the block is. But like we're afraid. We're scared to use it because we kind of feel like we're going to make a mistake or not get it right, or like we're afraid that like as we use that, like it's just going to cause a mess, like the blocks are just going to implode. Um, and at the beginning um, of worship, we were singing that song about um, Jesus being the cornerstone, and one of the lines was, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but trust wholly in Jesus' name. And I really feel like that what that's what God is calling us 
to do this morning is actually we're not trusting in anything else. We're not trusting in the frame of the Jenga, Jenga blocks. Like actually our trust is in Jesus um, and that his word says that he's given us gifts to use and that he will empower us to use them. And yes, sometimes we will make a mistake, but we don't have to be fearful because we know that he is a God who's gifted us and who will empower us to use our gifts to love and serve um, the people around us. I think what's beautiful is we trust that God speaks. We believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to us. We don't serve a God who is mute. We don't serve an idol hidden away in the corner, but actually God is alive and He's speaking to us. I love that actually God's giving something to three ladies to come and share with us. And I'd love us to respond to the Word this morning. I'd love us to respond to God. And We're going to worship in a second, but maybe you are feeling like David, who you feel insignificant in your family. You feel insignificant in the church. Maybe you feel disqualified. That actually you would know this morning that actually God has chosen you, that he has given you a gift, that you don't need to feel disqualified. Maybe you're standing there and you're saying, I've never had a gift. And maybe you eagerly desire the gifts this morning. I'd love us to actually respond to God and say, Holy Spirit, won't you come and pour out a gift upon me? But actually Holy Spirit would come now and empower you. If you have a relationship with Jesus, that actually he'll be able to pour out his power and fill you and give you a gift this morning. And maybe as we worship, I'd love us to actually to look around the room. And we would ask God and wait on the Holy Spirit to say, actually, God, how can I go and encourage somebody, build them up, point them to you? Is it a prophetic word? Is it a picture? How can I be used by you for the common good? That actually you would be able to speak through me, that you'd be able to use my gift and somebody else might be encouraged, that their life might be changed. That actually we'd be able to step out in faith this morning and not be afraid, as Anarita said. Or maybe that we'd be able to use our block, as Kimmy said. That actually we wouldn't be afraid, but we would step out in faith because we trust that actually God is a God who speaks. And He might use you this morning to encourage somebody to change their life forever. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the team to, to lead us in worship. And again, I ask you just to look around and ask God, saying, actually, can I encourage somebody this morning? Have you got something for me? Jesus, we come to you this morning. We love that we get to come together and worship you. We get to come and worship a God who is living, who is active, who is speaking. We don't worship a God who is hidden away in a corner, Jesus. We worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come now. We ask for those who are feeling disqualified, that you would actually come and encounter them, that you would come and fill them with your spirit, you would come and empower them, that you would pour out your gifts on this, us, this church this morning, Jesus. We pray that you would come and fill us with your presence, Holy Spirit. That we as a church of Harbor City eagerly desire your gifts, Jesus. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would pour them out. That you would give gifts of prophecy, gift of tongues, gift of interpretation, discerning of spirits. That you would give us words of wisdom, words of knowledge. We ask you, Holy Spirit, now for your gifts. Gifts of healing, gifts of miracles. Jesus, won't you pour them out upon us, Holy Spirit. We ask, Jesus, that even this morning you might give us something for somebody in the room, someone in our community, that we would be able to step out in faith and encourage them. Because you are using us to speak to them, Jesus. We worship you, my God, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just come right now, Jesus Christ. Come, Holy Spirit.